0: Hello, Thrives listeners. It has been a minute, but we are back. We have hired a new team member, Mrs. Tracy Stromy, and with her help, we are relaunching the podcast. I cannot tell you how excited I am. Our first episode back is with Dr. John Fuchko, and in full transparency, it was recorded back in the fall of 2021. However, our discussion is still so relevant to today. A few things to note as you listen. First of all, I have had a title change. I am now the Assistant Vice Chancellor for Leadership and Institutional Development and I am excited to be in that role and actually John will have an upcoming title change. As of July 1, 2022, he will be the interim president of Columbus State University. As a three-time alumna of CSU, I am thrilled to have him on that campus and in that role. And finally, about three quarters of the way into the episode, you will hear some sirens. Just a heads up for those of you listening in the car, no need to pull over, it's all good. I think those are all of my updates. It is so good to be back up and running. Be on the lookout for our monthly episodes and as always, keep thriving. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Thrives Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Jenkins, and I'm the Leadership and Institutional Development Manager with the University System of Georgia. And today I am talking with the Vice Chancellor for Organizational Effectiveness, Dr. John Fuchko. In his role, Dr. Fuchko oversees the USG's enterprise risk management, compliance and ethics, athletics oversight, accreditation, And strategic implementation efforts, of course, with all the other various activities. His bio is something else, everyone. You would really enjoy reading that. So I'm not going to go into all the details. But I do also want to point out that Dr. John Fuchko serves as a colonel in the Georgia Army National Guard and is the G2 Senior Intelligence Officer. He's a former battalion commander and let me just say, I always learn something new. Every time I hear John present to a group or any time we get to chat, we were doing a, some pre-chatting before we hit the record button, and you are in for a treat with some great information. So, hello, John. Thank you for being on the podcast today.
1: Hey, Wendy. And uh, I would say you probably said expectations high, but we'll uh, <laughs> try to... Uh we'll try to at least meet meet them.
0: Well, John, you always exceed. So I am, I'm, and by the way, and I, I mentioned this to you already, but you have been a highly requested guest. So uh, the people want to hear some of your thoughts. So we'll just sort of go ahead and jump in. And what I'd like to start with is, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the work you do that maybe isn't captured in your title and in that introduction I gave?
1: Sure. Um, so I've I'll share a um, term that Dr. Wrigley used when he was chancellor and a point he made that as a vice chancellor, that you are accountable for your area, but you're responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always taken that to mean that part of my job is to just stay on top of what's going on and engage with my colleagues, presumably the folks listening listening to the podcast to see where maybe there's an opportunity to connect. Uh, one of the one of the things that it actually came out of the comprehensive administrative review at the system office, which maybe probably got lost in organizational change and everything else, was uh, the sense that people didn't always understand what was going on in other areas. And so to that end, we at the department leader level scheduled a monthly meeting where we have each department present uh, on what they do. I think you you present, I think to that that group um, with mm-hmm. with Stuart. Yes, and, and that's proven. You know, it probably doesn't fall into any specific job description that I have, but I've gotten a lot of really good feedback, uh, and it's not because of anything I did. It's because of the what people are presenting. They they learn something about what their colleagues are doing uh, in that process, and so. Don't talk a whole lot about it, but that's actually one of the areas that that I find honestly the easiest and the most enjoyable uh, parts of what I do because uh, it gives a chance for people to connect on uh, on the work of the system and, and to learn about learn about that work uh, outside of what they might be doing every day. But uh, I don't know that there's a common theme in 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 the work that I do other than it is almost always focused on resolving problems and creating hopefully some opportunities uh, for our campuses to be able to focus more on their core mission which of course is is what we're all about.
0: Right absolutely and so I heard so much in that that there's this um, responsiveness to feedback that you that you get there's problem solving so in all of that what has that and this is kind of a cheesy way to put it, but I'm just going to throw it out there. That journey, especially in the system office, what has that taught you about leadership?
1: So a couple of things come to mind. And uh, the first one I think I'm going to mention is, is, is to break the glass balls. And mm-hmm. you might say, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So if you think about your life, you think about your job, you think about really any situation you're in, uh, I think most of us or at least I'll speak to myself you, you kind of go into that situation with a collection of glass balls that you're holding right and and those glass balls those could be you know information you have about a situation it could be relationship dynamics that you're mm-hmm. aware of it could be um, the thing that we don't talk about right you know mm-hmm. that it makes people uncomfortable and we spend a lot of time I think trying to kind of balance those glass balls and juggle them right and, and you can't let any drop because if it's a glass ball right you've got glass mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and i i took kind of the approach when when i started um as a as a senior leader in the which was really as the chief audit officer back um in, in 2009 that you just got to break the glass balls like you, you just kind of kind of there's an elephant in the room you just need to talk about the elephant in the room and then move on to whatever that that topic might might be um and that can mean some really hard conversations Uh, yeah um I'll, i'll i'll give you an example i was um in a in a very intense uh, investigation right compliance and ethics and sometimes that means we have to do investigations and um, usually if I'm involved it's, it's going to be a senior leader out of campus or, or the system and uh, this person was really distraught based on the the results of the investigation and one of the things that, that we always do uh, and, and I do with any report I sign, is if it's um unless it's just not you can't get to the person because they they've left or they moved or they won't meet with you. That mm-hmm. they're you know an employee, and we got a report that talks about them. I mm-hmm. let them see it in draft, and I tell them, "You tell me what's wrong. <laughs> what did we miss? What's right. bad, inaccurate? Whatever." And that has a lot of purposes, but it, it helps that person, if nothing else, adjust to kind of deal with whatever it is that they've been ignoring in their own mind, right? Because they got that glass ball in their own mind. Right. And and kind of puts it in black and white for them to start interacting with. And, you know, I've had one or two times where I've had to ask this person, like, are you thinking of harming yourself? Because their their reaction was was such that I could tell in the seriousness of it, I knew This was a really big issue for that. person. Right. Right. And I I, there was a part of me that really, obviously, no one ever wants to ask that, have that conversation with anybody. Uh, But I knew, frankly, from my army training that the the best thing to do in that situation is you just go out and ask, you know, you don't dance around it. You don't not deal with it, uh, because the absolute worst thing would be you don't ask it. You walk out and that person does something in a moment. Of emotion that has permanent consequences for themselves, their family, etc., uh, and and you could have done something about it by just addressing the issue at hand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's an extreme example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it, you know it could be as simple as you walk in a room and there's a you know you're talking about a project and there's you know maybe there there's some performance issues on the team that's impacting the project, and and you just need to have a conversation about it, right? Uh, Mm Um, so, uh, breaking the glass balls is, I I think oftentimes a heck of a lot more effective than, than trying to juggle the glass balls, right? uh, They, they don't break that. That probably goes to kind of a second point, which is say, uh, you know, and and this maybe sounds cheesy, but since you use USG journey, uh, I'm going to use this. Um, It's getting to the heart of the matter and and, and I don't mean that always in like the emotional center of what's what's going on, but it's what are we really trying to achieve, right? Why are we doing this to begin with? Uh, why was it set up? You know, and you can ask that about your job, right? You know, uh, you have a role at the system office. Why mm-hmm. is the role in existence? Well, there's a whole list of reasons, right? Tied to developing uh, leadership around the university system because among other things, there was a need and has been a need for a while identified to say we really have to be deliberate about this Mm -hmm. where each system we have turnover in areas Um, we have uh, new people they're bringing into leadership roles we need to be developing those individuals and if you think about it in that way right and i can do the same thing for my role same all of us should be able to do that for the roles that we're in Mm -hmm. why these roles really exist why is it that we're really here you know, and if you do that, that allows you to a- ask the right questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with a project, you're dealing with with an issue. So oftentimes we go into it not even knowing what it is we're trying to solve to begin with. Is this what type of challenge is this, right? Uh, is this a people concern? Is this a data issue? Is this, you know, something else entirely? And so understanding why we're here, what the real underlying purpose is, and then being able to speak to that becomes, I think, really, really critical. And and then the third piece I'll, I'll mention, uh, I guess final probably on, on this question is, uh, and I, I'll frame it this way, is swim in lots of lanes, but be you in the process, right? There's almost nothing that any single person, I'm probably gonna, my grammar will probably be off here, but everything, almost everything that every person does who works in the system, um, whether you know on our campuses or here, it impacts at least one other person, if not scores or hundreds, right. right? There's none of these that you can say, well, that's just that's such and such's problem, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, what I'm doing really doesn't impact that, right? You could be the janitorial staff and you might see a student in distress, and be the person who can reach out to get mental health for that, that student. In the same way, you, using that same janitorial staff, the attentiveness to detail in your cleaning regimen, you may, you know, help make for a, a healthier, safer environment on our campus. It's certainly something that we pay attention to um, in, in the era of, era of the COVID pandemic, but it's mm-hmm. always been important, right, because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. there's always germs out there. And there's always a need to, to deal with that. So mm-hmm. it's real easy to say, well, I'm just going to swim in my lane. That's not something I need to worry about. Uh, and and I've, I've, I probably, I don't know if I learned this at USG, but I think it was kind of like bystander effect or something like this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you would hear these stories about somebody being, you know, mugged in the light of day in front of 50 other people, right? right. Because everybody's just swimming in their own lane. And I remember as even as a child hearing that and saying, I'm not going to be that person. I'd rather make the mistake of stepping into a situation to try to be helpful than assume that somebody else will. And so I, I have gotten myself psychologically comfortable with, I may be swimming in an a organizational effectiveness lane, which mm-hmm. is pretty broad, but I may have to switch over to an entirely different lane in order to to be effective in in my role but within all of that i don't need to be like a different person right there shouldn't be like a john Fitchko who's involved here and a separate one over there like right. I, I have a way of expressing myself i have a way of interacting with people uh, i can you know modulate that somewhat to the room that i'm in and the people that I'm, I'm speaking with but i don't need to try to be somebody i'm not even if i'm playing a role that maybe it's not something I'm, I'm used to or comfortable with. Sure.
0: Oh my goodness. So much in those three things. Um, I have so many follow-up questions. I'm going to limit myself to one so that we keep this podcast you know, under a certain time limit, because I think we could probably talk for a good solid two hours just on those three things. But you, I want to go back up to the glass balls for just a second here. I, I want your wisdom on this because i often get asked as i work with institutions or or, um, with our institutions or with people in the system office how does someone bust one of the glass balls upward meaning how do they manage up when they have something they need to get out there and just put some sunlight on does that make sense
1: oh yeah totally and and i would say I've been blessed for quite some time, whether I was, you know, reporting to Teresa or or to Hank Huckabee before that, or Earl Davis before that, um, to have some really understanding uh, supervisors and 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 bosses mm-hmm. and so on. So I would say two things. One is, uh, <laughs> it should be obvious, but sometimes uh, maybe it's not. Do it in private. You can't always say things when you want to say them. Sometimes you need to hold your tongue and mm-hmm. and find the right time and place to have that conversation, and be deliberate about it. Right, and set right. Some context, set some expectations. Like, hey, I've got some concerns about something that I want to I, I really want to talk to you about. Right, and and, and so they're not kind of getting it cold, and, and you can get emotionally prepared. They can get emotionally prepared that it might be a a more difficult conversation. Right is to, as best you can, assume good intentions, right? Assume good intentions. Mm -hmm. They'll do a couple things. One, even the person doesn't have good intentions, which hasn't been my experience, but it does happen. They'll want to live up to your expectations that they do, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, if and I've, I've seen this, you know, you'll see this sometime with spouses, right? Spouse will of course my spouse is going to do this wonderful thing for me because they're a wonderful person. Well, then that spouse suddenly wants to live up to that, right? Right. If you expect your spouse, of course you forgot this thing. Of course you never pay attention to X, never pay attention to Y. Sometimes people live down to expectations, right? That's so So true. Assume good intentions and verbalize that uh, and just kind of accept that as a given because that person will, even if they don't realize it, want to live up to that better image of themselves that Mm -hmm. you're projecting. Onto them right with that though you you do uh, want to try to also kind of put yourselves in their shoes and so recognize you you might be looking at this and saying from a strict uh, compliance perspective mm-hmm. we can't do this but there may be some other dynamics they're dealing with that you just don't know about and so as best you can putting it in, in their shoes and what happens if this situation becomes a systematic, systemic situation across the entire university system? And when you put it in that context, then I think sometimes they can engage with it more as a strategic issue rather than as a them issue. This particular person or this particular situation. The other piece is, in all frankness, when it comes to issues that are just straight up, ethical integrity issues you know you kind of owe it to that person i think there's a scripture verse that says you know go to that person first person first and do it right right. you owe it to that person to have that conversation but you have to be prepared in any role but particularly i think in a role that has public service to say i'm walking away and and there are times that it's just at the end of it you got to say well this is this is what we have to do this is the legal ethical moral requirement Mm -hmm. and you might get snapped at, you might get a little bit of um, uh, experience. But, you know, uh, that's just kind of comes with being in a spot of being able to influence what goes on. And, uh, you know, for me, I I guess being in the guard, I always feel like I've had a a fallback where if I I ever was put into a really difficult situation, I I could go do something different. But you know what? All of us, we have skills, we have abilities, we have things that we can go do other than the job that we're in. So. Mm -hmm. You, uh, you know, there's kind of a saying, when, you, when are you going to put your, you know, if you're a captain in the army, when are you going to put your captain's bars on the line? you got to put your position and put your rank on the line mm. when it comes to those really critical issues. And those might come up once in a career. You know, right. if They're coming yeah. up every day. You're, you, you might be taking things a little bit too seriously. Sure, yeah. yeah including yourself. But <laughs> um, But you do also have to be prepared for that and recognize, you know what, it'll work itself out it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Life will go on. Your life will go on. Your family's life will go on. And and that gives you a certain degree of freedom to, to have those conversations in a way that you're not so stressed out about it that you drive that, that you 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 make this thing more than it needs to be and create issues where you didn't even have them to begin with.
0: Right. So often we, we narrate a story that's not really there.
1: Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're in the story. It's hard to do otherwise.
0: Yes. Very true, goodness. I mean, no wonder everyone is like, you have to get John Fuchko on the podcast because that was so good. So sometimes you have to break the glass balls, get to the heart of the matter, swim in lots of lanes, but stay true to who you are. So with in light of all of this that leaders have want to think about, and in in light of that advice, like, what do you see as the biggest challenge right now that leaders are facing?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll mention two things that come to mind on that, uh, and, and one is probably less, less insightful than the other. But uh, so one of the jobs I think that a leader has is to set the table. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is uh, that context or the lack thereof is probably one of the most important things around communication. And I think a leader's job is to understand the context, to develop mm-hmm. and to share it with others. All too often that context that may have existed, that exists in our own minds is not the same context that exists in anybody else's mind. Mm, right? True. And so we go into meetings, we go into projects, we go into, uh, we go into organizations mm-hmm. and we go in with this, this, you know, it's like the iceberg with 95% submerged. We've got all this context or these assumptions that build into context that are in our head. We never verbalize them to anybody. And and in the same way, you're going in a new situation The their context, the people that you're interacting with, they're not verbalizing it back to you. Right. They're talking about something, mm-hmm. and it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I, I had this conversation um, yesterday, actually, with with Teresa, and uh, I had in my own mind switched to a different topic. And at some point, she, you know, she let me talk, and then she's like, "But John, I thought we were doing X, Y, and Z." And I'm like, "Oh, all <laughs> your switched to the next to another topic that's <laughs> what I had been talking about, right?" And so. Right. I failed to communicate a context change uh, in in my conversation, and she was operating from a different context where now right. it's like make no sense whatsoever. So I think that lack of context is is really pretty significant, and it's something that's just it takes time. Mm-hmm. So we'll skip over it. Right. The other is is maybe a lack of what I'll call common purpose, shared values, shared experiences. I I think. uh, You know, one of the things that. Is positive about the military as an example is everybody will have gone through something of the same experience, right? My daughter, my third, third child is at basic training. She's uh, oh, wow. she joined the Georgia guard. She's going to go to North Georgia in the, in the spring okay. uh, season. She's doing her basic and her AIT. So she's getting yelled at by drill sergeants. She's called <laughs> mighty mouse. So I thought that was pretty cool there. <laughs> and uh, which tells you something about, about her, but um, she will come out of that experience with a shared experience that basically every other person in the army will have had, whether basic training as an enlisted person or the equivalent uh, experience as an officer right Mm -hmm. and so there's this shared set of values right Mm -hmm. there's values that go with that Um, loyalty duty respect selfless service honor integrity and personal courage right and there's this this shared kind of like we all understand why we're here and what we're about very different jobs people have different jobs but they have kind of this shared purpose experience and values uh and and i think to some extent how you grew up, where you grew up, where you go to school, all of those things feed into that. And I think that uh, one of the things that leaders, a challenge that they face is particularly as, and it's a good thing, we're more diverse. We're more diverse in in all sorts of ways in our environment here and just in in the private sector, public sector, what have you. But with that diversity, we've also probably have fewer shared common experiences. Part of, I think, a leader's challenge is to create some of those within the context of the organization that they lead or that they're a leader within.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking about that, so often my group is called in and we don't know the context. And then you're right that there's not been that creation of common experiences and we can help provide that second piece I think these two things really go hand in hand. In order to do that, you've also got to understand a lot of the context. And I love how you worded that to set the table. And to kind of transition to to my next thought here, with all of that being said, these challenges that we're facing, one of the challenges that are that's coming up that are we're going to have a new leader. We're going to have a new chancellor who will have to come in and and he or she set the table and he he or she also provide these shared values or, and connect into that. So, I have heard that you are the longest serving vice chancellor, and so what that means is that you have been through this before. So, I want to talk about a shared experience. I need you to tell me what can we expect with a chancellor transition.
1: So, you can. <laughs> <that's okay. laughs> it's a big question. It's a big question and it will depend, of course, on who the Chancellor is, right? Of that, course. They're each going to have their own um, approaches to things and so on. Uh, on a very practical level, uh, I, I, I always look at it as a, a good opportunity to kind of. What, what are we working on? <laughs> mm. What are we yes. doing? What is? What is my what is my organization look like? Uh, what are my challenges? How am I overcoming those? You yes. know, if the chancellor came in and sometimes folks do this they'll say hey i want to i want a one pager on on every unit you know and they might say what they want or they might say well talk about what's going on in that unit right you don't want to be thinking about that the day you get the request right mm-hmm. and so i i think that's that's one piece the other piece though is i would tell you don't get too focused on it mm. um you know, uh, we have a. There's a. I hate to keep quoting the army, but in the the army song, which is what we sing at the end of ceremonies, uh, I won't stand at attention while I say this. But um, <laughs> there's a saying: the army goes rolling along, right? Right. Uh, and and it's the, the the essence of that thought is leaders come and go, organizations come and go, but the role is permanent. In, in the same way, teaching, research, service, public higher education in the state of Georgia is been around you know since you know oldest publicly chartered university in the country there in Athens right mm-hmm. uh, it's not going anywhere mm-hmm. and so uh, w- you don't have to get too wrapped up in in these changes they happen uh, they're healthy they're natural it is what happens in organizations and and you get too focused on it frankly you take the eye off what you need to be doing right now mm-hmm. which is goes back to what we talked about earlier which is you're doing things that impact a whole lot of people, um, and if you don't, then you you either don't realize it or you're, you're probably not doing the right thing. Right, right. Uh, and so you need to keep doing that. Stay focused on the mission, which is around uh, ultimately, it's it's most importantly about student success, right? Yep. And and how we we all contribute to that. And We do that in different ways and in mm-hmm. the different priorities that are out there. But I say if you stay focused on that and be about the job, it. It'll work itself out. And I'll just tell you one quick story. So I first met Hank Huckabee. I, I think I met him passing in the hall or something like this. But my first real sit-down conversation with him was, I think, day – maybe the afternoon of his first day. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't met me uh, other than passing in the hall. He, pr- he couldn't pick me out of lineup, right? Mm-hmm. And – We were having a conversation about our our shared services initiative, which uh, is is doing wonderful things uh, now, but had just come off a very rocky implementation back some some years ago now um, over a decade, right? And. We jumped right in, right? And Mm -hmm. it was all business and it was like, Chancellor, we've got some real issues here. Here's what I think we need to do about it. Here's a path forward, but you know you're going to hear about this when you meet with the presidents next week uh and I-, I want you to make sure you had the best understanding walking in the door and off we went right right i i didn't spend time talking about audits and certainly didn't spend time talking about me uh and you know really just focused in on here's some here's some really good work that our team had just done Um, you need to know about it because putting myself in his shoes, I knew he was going to get questions about it from the presidents, which he did. And that probably in hindsight told him what he needed to know about the audit function at the time, right? Mm. Focused on problem solving. We deal with big issues. we try to come up with recommendations, not just identify problems. Mm -hmm. Here you go, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't spend a lot of time talking about me or the team or anything else, the work mm-hmm. can for itself. So I would say stay focused on your work. Stay focused mm-hmm. on your work well. Uh and if you do that, these things take care of themselves. If you spend all your time worrying about who's going to be the next chancellor, when are they going to be there? What are they going to do? Or, you know, what football team they're going to cheer for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wasted energy. Yeah. And it's going to take you away from the things that you actually ought to be doing, which are going to be the things that A new chancellor just like our current chancellor just like our previous chancellor are going to want you to be doing
0: right i have to say that story um with hank huckabee is so validating i did a a, this is i guess it'll be a little commercial break i did a great basic session recently on navigating changes in leadership and we talked in the session about coming in with empathy for the new leader bringing solutions to the leader and then giving them some low-hanging fruit for their first wins. And what I hear is that you did all of that. And that you, you were like, what does he need to know? What, if I were in his shoes, what would I want to know? What's some low-hanging fruit. It's the shared services. You're going to get questions about it. So here, let me arm you with the knowledge you need. And then, you know, just kind of coming ready with a menu, so to speak, of solutions, not just the problem. So thank you, thank you for you. You are that's some triangulation of the research there.
1: <laughs> I did do a lit review, but I'm glad it was helpful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was very helpful, and so as you have talked about, you you I love you're connecting this back to what is so much a part of your your life as being a colonel in the National Guard. So I'm very curious. Can you give us some quick? comparisons and con- contrasts, contrasting statements however you want to word that talk about grammar can you compare and contrast those skill sets that you need in both of your roles where are the overlaps and then maybe share a few of the outliers
1: yeah sure so um first off I would say I don't think there's as many contrast as people tend to think mm, okay. there might uh i, I I do think that, uh, you know, people's view of the military is probably colored by World War II movies and, you know, just kind of maybe growing up and hearing those sorts of stories, which was a very much like a massed industrialized army with a whole lot of people in it. Right. Right. And, you know, as the army has moved and, and the military to an all volunteer force, uh, the type of, of folks that enlist and, and commission and, and serve, you know, it is. And I'm not saying that this wasn't the case before, but they, they first of all, they they, they want to be there, right? This isn't nobody forced it on them. Uh, they had they had the option and they they chose that option. And certainly if they're in leadership, they chose very deliberately say, I want to be in leadership. I care about this. This is something that that I'm about. And they're not a lot of automatons, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, there's a. There's a there's a kind of you know people think about special forces right and I, I had the opportunity to work on a, a a joint task force a special operations joint task force, and there there's kind of this idea there that when you're in the middle of stuff we we take rank off and 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 you argue right mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're mm-hmm. passionately for how you think this will turn out and when it comes to implementation and you're in the moment rank goes back on right. But everybody understands what it is you're trying to achieve. And if somebody, for whatever reason, gets taken out of out of that mission, out of that fight, then everybody understands the assumptions, the underlying planning and, and, and so on. And they can adjust on the spot. But, you know, decisions in that situation do have to be made on the spot uh, when you're implementing, when you're in it. Right. But one of the things I would say is that, that the military really does spend a whole lot of time planning and planning in that context and so there's really good robust discussion so from a from a comparison perspective i would say the university system system office etc we actually do spend i think a lot of time planning and thinking through things Mm -hmm. Uh, and and so that's that would be a a point of comparison now point of contrast uh would i would say that the military is much more disciplined about how they make decisions, and so uh, we actually, there's this kind of this this idea that if you're going to have a brief, right, uh, that there's a few types of briefs, there's an information brief, but uh, which is different than a decision brief, and in a decision brief, there's a very structured way you do that, and you're asking for a decision at the end of this brief, uh, and you have what's called the military decision-making process, where uh, you're very systematically finding out Information about the environment, the operating environment that you're in. You're developing um, your core objectives, which, you know, whatever those might be. So you understand what you're trying to accomplish. You're developing different types of criteria, uh, two different types, really. One that helps you evaluate and score. Another one is what they call screening criteria, which is kind of a, you know, if yes, you're good. If no, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And you will always develop two or three courses of action, any one of which. Should be able to help you achieve the goal, but may score differently on the different criteria, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, so you go through that process, and then you present it, and a decision is made. And you know, it doesn't always lend itself to our culture, but I will say it does help to define how decisions get made, right? Uh, and 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 add some discipline to to the process. All that said, very specifically to your question, uh, I think that there's actually a lot more that brings the roles together. Sure. I think a good leader in either setting has really got to be simultaneously focused on taking care of people and getting after the mission. And those things can can be in in contrast or in seeming contrast. Uh, And and you have to kind of balance that at at all times. But I think those are, are both very similar if you're doing it Correctly, if you think only about the mission, then you're probably not going to do. You're, you're not going to have the be the type of leader you need to be. Mm-hmm. Got to think about your people and and recognize that if you take care of them when it comes time to asking them to do some hard hard things, um, they're going to respond a lot differently than if you're not ever really thinking about about them and and the impact on them.
0: Right. Yeah, it's such a balance there, um, and we tend to. What I or at least what I've seen is we we tend to lean either people or lean towards mission, but there really is such a benefit in figuring out how to how to balance those two. But and and I think you came on um again, kind of a little commercial break to a great from the middle, which is our programming that we have for our middle managers and supervisors and shared I hear you share about that decision-making process because the topic was complicated decisions and it had such an impact. So, I think there is such an, a great crossover there with the that decision-making process from the Army that while you said our our environment may not be um, apples to apples, it is certainly beneficial in the, the thought process. So, Thank you for sharing that. I know that that's a big part of your your life, and so I can definitely see where there's a lot of comparisons. So, as we wrap up, just two last questions. Um, the first one would be, what's the message that you would like to get out to our listeners? what What would you like for them to remember?
1: So, uh, be connected to something outside of yourself is probably the number one thing I would leave from a Maybe less of a leadership perspective, maybe mm-hmm. more of a self-care perspective, and and it's ironic, of course, I'm saying be connected out something outside yourself. There's there's so many dynamics to that, right? And mm-hmm. I would say that you know, as a if your if your whole raison d'être, right? I'm probably mispronouncing the French there, but <laughs> if your whole reason for existence, reason for being, is all wrapped up in you, and even worse, all wrapped up in you in your current role you're going to be a, you're going to be a ball of nerves, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be constantly stressed because everything you see will be through that lens. And if something happens to you, that's difficult, which, oh, by the way, something will happen to you. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, It's the end of the world because you are your own little world to yourself. And if you're connected, that is something, uh, a, a greater purpose beyond that, uh, you know, for me, my, my faith would be a, a huge part of that, but also my family, right, the, the nation, the Constitution, mm-hmm. uh, my colleagues, uh, higher education and what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those things are a whole heck of a lot greater than, than, than me. And, and so my ego, we all got egos, my mm-hmm. ego get wrapped up in things, but it's going to get wrapped up in something. I might as well wrap it up in things that matter and things that are um, going to have an enduring purpose uh, rather than things like me, which which don't fall into those categories per se, right? So just being connected to something outside yourself and on a very practical level is how you think about your job and, and seeing the purpose for which it exists. It's volunteering, it's mm-hmm. helping out other people, uh, you know, even, um, you know the simple stuff, like giving food to somebody on the on the side of the road when you're driving. Like that's you know five six bucks, whatever that you you spend, but it takes you outside of yourself, right? And you know, as a as a you know may say as a as a parent, as the case may be. Not everybody is a parent. I know listening to this, but you know, aunt, uncle, son, daughter, nephew, whatever. Yeah. If you need, you have those roles where you can help other people and connect to other people way of helping you kind of forget about the, the silliness that you may be getting all wrapped up about (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah.
0: So many words of wisdom there that um, I hope everybody it's comforting for me as I listen to you, John to especially in that message about connect outside of yourself, but also as we go through the, you know, chancellor transition where you were just saying you know, to do not stay to stay focused on the mission. I think that can help in our self-care as well, not to get too stressed out about everything. And on that note of self-care, because this show is called Thrives, I want to know what is something that is helping you thrive right now?
1: So I, uh, I'll i say we're very connected uh, at our church. And one of the things that uh, I somehow another got roped into was helping out with some of the yard work. And so, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, riding the riding mower at church, which we don't have a riding mower at home. Right. It's like probably an hour. That actually is a nice mental break because you can't check your phone while you're riding the right. mower. Yeah. It's very Zen-like, sort of back and forth and around and back. Right. And around. <laughs> um, so uh, I actually really enjoy that, uh, believe it or not. But uh, probably on a more daily basis, and, and I don't do it every day. Uh, and it has, you know, additional benefits of keeping my my spouse and the kids happy. But I like to cook, and so and and I like to, you know, cook healthily, not necessarily like quinoa, and, you know, uh-huh. something, but um, <laughs> fresh ingredients, stuff that I'm going to chop up myself, whatever. Okay. Um, and so I, I I find that like chopping up a bunch of vegetables and seasoning the meat and cooking it just right helped along with like a glass of wine or a cocktail that i'll make myself is a really nice way not every day but a number of times um you know during the week it can really it can be enjoyable right Right. and i think uh my spouse she enjoys it less so (laughs) it's more of a chore for her Um, right so it also helps her to de-stress when yeah. you do that. The other piece, and this will sound silly, but like junk reading. I don't mean like you know Daniel Steel <laughs> novels or something. Which if, if you like that, that's fine. But uh, you know, I read all sorts of stuff for for higher ed. I've got army stuff. I'm in war college. So I've got all sorts of you know Thucydides and Sun Tzu and Clausewitz and and so on, which is all well and good. But it's not exactly like, oh, this is this is so much fun. an age Turner, right? <laughs> uh, particularly Clausewitz. But uh, as a say, I don't know, young adult, teen, whatever. I always enjoyed like the the Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy. Yes. Nothing. Like yes, you know, Red Rabbit and Cardinal in the Kremlin and all that sort of stuff. And uh, which, ironically, of course, you know, now we're back to more competition with the the Soviet or with the with Russia, right? Right. So I'll, I'll sometimes do that or just stuff, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, or um, Charles Dickens, uh, or, you know, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, some of the stuff that I've honestly, I've read it before, that uh-huh. um, I don't have to read. I just do it because I enjoy it, and I'll reread the same thing, or Sherlock Holmes mystery stuff. Yes. All, all of that stuff, like, I'll try to spend some time on that, even if it's 20, 30 minutes. I don't watch right. But uh, I do find that, that that book piece can just kind of take you out of things for a little yep. bit and, and put you somewhere else. And the nice thing about a book as opposed to, say, a TV show or even a pop, uh, even like an Audible book, which are, yeah. is, is you, you have to read it. right. Which means You've got to focus on it, which means you're not focusing on other things mm-hmm. versus if you're watching TV or doing whatever else, but well, half the time we're checking our phone. We're doing it. We're multi, quote unquote, multitasking. Yep. And so we have like like blank moments where we're not really engaging with the story, but more to the point, we are engaging with things we ought not be if we're really trying to relax.
0: John, I don't know how you feel, but I always say I'm a better person when I have a book to read. Yes. I mean, and people kind of look at me funny when I say that, but it's I'm just kind of a better version of myself if I'm engaged in a book.
1: I'm right there with you.
0: Yeah. And now I'll have to say last summer. I went back and reread some, some old classics to me, but they're very different from your list, John. I went back and read the babysitters club, which (laughs) were the books from my like elementary, you know, these were some of the first chapter books, so to speak, I guess that I read. And so, but it, same concept, different, different levels.
1: (laughs) I've done a Nancy Drew party, you know, I've, i thought recently a choose your own adventure book might actually be fun, but Uh, yes, I haven't not to the point of actually buying one. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, again, sometimes reconnecting with things from the past. I love your other two examples though, getting on the mower. My husband would, would, uh, second that motion that he loves to get on the riding mower and just, you know, zone out for a while. And then of course, cooking is a win-win. Um, you know, anytime that you can, uh, do something for you but also do something for your family is like you said it's connecting outside of yourself so just to bring that bring that back around so thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today i mean this is personally for me been inspiring i've got so many nuggets i've been taking notes and i've got so many nuggets um you know swimming lots of lanes but be you set the table break those glass balls, um, think about your influence. But also, John, what I love about this is that you brought in so many practical things we can do. So listeners, you have some things that you may wanna you know, listen to this a couple times and go back through and think about the practical steps you can take to um, add some goals to that goal list. So thank you so much for sharing your experience. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you listeners for listening in and y'all be on the lookout for another episode of the Thrives podcast very
1: soon.